my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. A great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Greg Price. Always a great time talking to Greg. Uh, we, we covered a lot. We talked, obviously, the latest coming out of Afghanistan and this administration's cynical strategy to try to get us to forget about the thousands of Americans stuck behind enemy lines. Uh, we talked about a major shift in recent polling data, uh, forever, whatever the polls are worth. Uh, you can decide for yourself. Um, and we talked about the California real, uh, recall election. Does Larry Elder actually have a chance to become the next governor of California? Uh, we will find out soon enough. Uh, guys, before I get to Greg, uh, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you are an iTunes user, please take a few seconds to give us a five-star rating and a good review that really helps us out. Um, and if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved with the show, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the NoGimmicksPodcast. All right, without further ado, the great Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Greg Price. Greg, how have you been, man? Been well. Good to be back on with you. Absolutely. So uh, a ton to talk about, as always. We obviously have to start, uh, unfortunately, um, with Afghanistan. Joe Biden's strategy um, throughout this entire fiasco has been the most cynical thing I've ever seen. I mean, well, all right, well, back up. It's not Joe Biden's strategy. It's, it's you know, Prime Minister Ron Klain's strategy. <laughs> more than likely, or whoever the heck is, is Biden's handler behind the scenes. But, I mean, they just wheel the old man out in front of a teleprompter every three or four days to mumble about random other things, you know, COVID, masks, spending bills, that was yesterday, and then have him waddle away without answering any questions from the press. And, like, their goal is to what, exactly? I like It's like their goal is to hope that we forget about the 10,000 Americans still stranded behind enemy lines. It's like, man, what, like, what a cynical, nasty strategy you know like devoid of like basic humanity basic decency yeah i mean you can say what you want about donald trump but like when a national crisis hit our country covid19 like i remember covering it he was out there every day taking questions from a press that hated him for like two hours hours. (laughs) and he would be doing it on saturdays and sundays he was that too he was out there every single day and like they wheeled joe biden out like twice a week for like 15 minutes at a time where he like just attempts to where he reads off a script and then walks away and i can't imagine that that's very reassuring to most americans especially those who are actually trapped in afghanistan and yeah i mean and in order to in order i mean they they'll never admit that they didn't really have any plan for this um and that's you know the fact that they didn't have one is why thousands of americans are still trapped and may still be trapped after august 31st yeah i mean the White House yesterday said, you know, in certain terms that they're 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 stopping evacuations actually before the August 31st deadline. They said they they want to be done in, in the next 72 hours or so. Um, I, I I don't know. I, apparently, I mean, this every day we wake up and learn that the situation is getting worse over there. You think it's hit rock bottom, but I mean. I think we're far from from the worst of this. The State Department yesterday sent out an alert to uh, American citizens in Afghanistan, oh. telling them that 
this is their last chance to get out of the country, and then they they rescinded that alert. Um, I mean, so just nobody, just the incompetence is insane. I mean, nobody really knows what's going on. And at any rate, it's not physically possible, um, and the Pentagon's admitted this, it's not physically possible to evacuate every American citizen by August 31st. It's not possible. There's anywhere between... You know, seven or eight thousand, maybe as much as as eleven or twelve thousand Americans still stuck in Afghanistan. That's not even to mention, you know, our Afghan allies and and so forth. And I, I don't know. I mean, the, the administration is planning on leaving thousands of Americans behind. It's it's like I don't even know how that's real, man. It's like Joe Biden is perfectly comfortable giving the Taliban thousands of American hostages. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand why they're letting the Taliban like dic- dictate the terms of our withdrawal. Like there, you know, Joe Biden said that we would fully withdraw everybody by August 31st. And the Taliban says that if we extend it, then that's not going to be okay. And I don't understand why, you know, the Biden administration, the military isn't saying to them, we're going to get every American out of Afghanistan, no matter how long it takes. And anybody that tries to get in our way is going to be blown to bits. Like, I don't understand why they're not, you know, saying something along those lines in order to let the Taliban know that. We are getting our people out, whether you like it or not. Like, it's it's a strategy that just makes absolutely no sense to me. And I don't understand why the Taliban get to dictate the terms of, you know, like, I thought we were the most powerful country on Earth. Like, what, what happened to that? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I thought so, too. I mean, like, if, if the Taliban were setting this policy, what would they be doing different? I mean, we, we give them tens of billions of dollars of high-tech military equipment, including, you know, Apaches and, and howitzers and, and all this. And, and drones, you know, and missiles, surface-to-air missiles. And then they set the deadline on when we need to get all of our people out. And then we say, fine, we'll, we'll capitulate to that. And then we we hand them thousands of Americans to to to, to hold us at ransom with. I mean, like, how, how much money is it going to take to get these people out? I mean, the, honestly, I, the Taliban's going to squeeze this administration for everything they're worth. I mean, I— my guess would be what tens of billions of dollars of ransom money is probably going to be paid to the Taliban. I mean, it's like at every step of the way, it's like this administration is pro-Taliban, and like I, I don't understand how the president has basically admitted that he's fine with leaving thousands of Americans to die or be raped or be held hostage, and nobody's moved to impeach him yet, right? I mean, even like as cynical as the Democrats are, like I can't believe that like we haven't heard anything out of the cabinet referring to the Twenty Fifth Amendment. I mean, like. I don't know. I don't know what it would take at this point. Like Joe Biden could literally shoot someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue and, and get away with it. Like this is, like, it's crazy. Like when I'm putting together my show notes every day, it's like, is this real? <laughs> like, is this is this, this this seems just it's it's insane to me. I never thought I'd be talking about things like this. Like the camp, the the cabinet, and Democrats in Congress, they care more about their own power than saving American lives. I mean, like, what what is it going to take? Like, how much worse does it have to get before? Democrats start considering getting this guy out of there. Yeah, I mean, they impeached Trump because he talked to the Ukrainian prime minister about about scandals surrounding Joe Biden. And like, you know, is a phone call to Ukraine a bigger impeachable offense than leaving thousands of your citizens to as as behind enemy lines as hostages to the Taliban? And like, just imagine, like, imagine if this were Trump were president right now and he had botched this withdrawal, like the media, which is already like, in fa- always in favor of war and always has a pro-war stand. Imagine Trump pulled out of Afghanistan and this was the result. They would like it would be a five-alarm fire in every oh, single yeah. newsroom in America. And like you know, I, and you know, 
a lot of these media outlets have been critical. Like a lot of corporate media has been critical of Joe Biden, you know, his absence, you know, the fact that he he's not like out there every day as long as, as much or as long as he should be. And I'm like, where, and all I can think to myself is, are you really shocked by this? He did the same thing during the campaign. Like people like us were talking about how in a national emergency, this guy's going to slink back to his basement and yeah. instead of, instead of leading. And like, you know, this, these same media outlets that are like, highly critical of joe biden they're like where is he it's like where were you guys months like in 2020 yeah man like you they bought and, the ticket they made it happen yeah. the corporate press made this happen they dragged joe biden across the finish line i mean what do they expect to happen just world peace break out and joe biden would never have to deal with anything serious for his tenure i mean like you, you put a man with alzheimer's in the oval office what did you expect like what was your plan here yeah exactly like the plan like they and they wanted to be trump like they they, the orange man was so bad that they had to replace him with Joe Biden. Well, this is your result. You have the, this is a result. You have thousands of Americans that are trapped in Afghanistan, and a president that can only speak to us about what's going on for 15 minutes at a time. And when he does take questions, he can only call it off a pre-approved list of people that his staff picked for us. Like, 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 who the hell is like, like, who the hell's running the White House? Like, is it, like, is it's because it's definitely not Joe Biden. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, Ron Klain, I guess, he's out there just retweeting Jen Rubin five times a day, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah. Did you say, but just side note, Jen Rubin. <laughs> I mean, she, like, she, she's my favorite Twitter account by far. But, uh, dude, yesterday she straight up just started doing PR for the Taliban. I mean, like yeah, straight, straight up, up PR for the Taliban. <laughs> I'm like, dude, bro, like what is happening right now? I mean, the thing about Jennifer Rubin, it's not so much her because, like, she can't help who she is. She's always been like a nut and just out of her freaking mind. Like the thing about her is like the Washington post continues to trot her out as like a legitimate political blogger, as someone that you should take seriously as a voice on the news in America. And like, it's amazing how she's become like this go-to megaphone for the white house comms <laughs> team. Like the white house comms team just tweets out her, her op-eds as if like Jennifer Rubin is somehow you know, you're you're in the middle of this national crisis where you're leaving thousands of Americans at the mercy of the Taliban, and the person you're going to do your PR cleanup is Jennifer Rubin, <laughs> of all people. Like, she literally like, makes a... other left-wing hacks in corporate media look bad. Yeah. Like, and... Just for her, like, lack of intellect. You know what I mean? It's like, she can't, she can't, she doesn't have two brain cells to rub together. But it's like, even for her, man, just, just running cover for literally the Taliban, it's like, oh, man, I... I just don't get it. And then one more thing before we move on. Um, I, you guys like you and I have known this forever, but it's like I've seen a lot of people on Twitter lately just now coming to the realization that corporate media likes war. <laughs> They're like, when did the corporate press start cheering for war? It's like, God, bro, dude, where are you serious? <laughs> like, where, have you, where have you been the last several decades? Like, my goodness, of course these people love war. It brings ratings. They've been like that yeah. forever. I mean, imagine just finding that out now. It's like, where, where have you people been? Yeah, I mean, I was I was too young to remember the Iraq war, but my mom is also a journalist, and she's been involved in the game forever. And so she, like, you know, we would, we would she talks to me all the time about how, like, during that time, like, there was nobody that was more in favor of going to war in the Middle East than the corporate media. Oh, yeah. Like, and, like, all of those people who reported all of these stories about how, how, how Saddam had WMDs and how— oh, yeah. And all these other things, like all these people still have jobs in Washington, D.C. And like, believe it or not, there are actual people 
in actual newsrooms and actual think tanks in D.C. <clears throat> who still think that a Western style democracy can be built in a nation literally nicknamed the graveyard of empires. <laughs> hey, man. Well, hopefully, uh, I mean, hopefully China can go in there and get their ass kicked next. I mean, Afghanistan, they took care of Russia. They took care of us. I don't know. Maybe knock the Chinese down a couple pegs. You know, you never know. Yeah, we'll uh, see. I know this is a cynical direction to take this, but I want to talk about some of the polling data we've seen this week. And I usually, like, I mean, you know, I don't put too much stock in polls, obviously. They've, they've been consistently bad my entire adult life. But, like, there's some big movement towards Republicans lately, I, obviously for good reason. But, uh, and I mean, keep it, take all this with a grain of salt because pollsters hadn't changed a darn thing between 2016 and 2020. So there's no, there's no reason to think they've gotten any better now. Um, but looking at the real, real clear politics average, which is like, I mean, it's usually off a little bit, but it's, you know, the closest thing you can get, um, to reality, I'd say. Uh, Joe Biden's now underwater by 2.2 points. He's down about eight points in a month in terms of favorability. Uh, the generic ballot favors Republicans by a point. It was D plus 14 four months ago. Uh, I mean, it's a huge movement right now going towards the GOP uh, going into the midterms next year. Yeah, and I mean, we, we should expect that because, like, you know, midterm elections are usually bloodbaths for the party in power. Like, that's that's always been a trend. And, you know, I think, but I think it's especially going to be true you know, coming up in 2022 and like all my friends, like I talked to my friends who all work at the NRSC and all the other and the RNC and they're like, you know, they're excited for what's about to happen in, in the upcoming midterms. And I think like, you know, I, I just think, you know, between I, I'm, I'm not, I think it's a little too early to, to see how much, you know, the Afghanistan withdrawal is going to impact those elections. But I think, you know, Republicans have a lot, you know, Joe Biden has given them a lot of stuff to run against between the border, his handling of the border, between like, you know, inflation, between gas prices, all of these other things. Republicans have a lot to run against Joe Biden on in the 2022 election. And I think, you know, I think they'll definitely take back the House. But, we'll, you know, we'll see. I think it's I think they're going to I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a it could be a bloodbath that we haven't seen since the 2010 Tea Party wave. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. And honestly, dude, we haven't even gotten to the hostage situation part of this Afghanistan yeah. debacle yet, because it's coming. And we're going to leave thousands of American citizens behind, and the it's... Taliban is going to hold them hostage. I mean, like, how many how many uh, Americans did the Iranians hold hostage in 1979? I think it was like 48 or something. Yeah, 49 like, people. This is, like this dude, is a thousand. These are this is going to be like thousands. thousands. It could be a hundred times that. You know what I mean? Like, we, we could have a hundred times that many hostages being held by the Taliban. And trust me, the Taliban's a lot less reasonable than the Iranian regime in the 70s was as well. Um, a, lot, a lot less rational. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, this could, this could go, you know, a number of different ways. But the, the RCP average, um, and I, I, th I thought this was funny, on the direction of the country. Do you approve of the direction the country's going? Um, Thirty points under thirty points underwater. Voters disapprove of the direction the country is going. Sixty to thirty, which is like, oof. I mean, you know, the White House is seeing that and not loving it. And I mean, honestly, I don't know who those thirty percent are. Um, I mean, I guess maybe you're into the you know hostage crises. Maybe you're into the worst inflation since the seventies. Maybe you're into communist-style authoritarian COVID policies. 
yeah. I don't know. Maybe you're into that. I don't know who who the thirty percent is, but man, if sixty percent, you know, a, a double the amount of Americans who disapprove of the direction of the country, it's like, man, that is, yeah. that's a whopper. And like all these Democrats are now gonna are, are starting to reimpose COVID restrictions too, like in Oregon, D.C. They did that. Like I think you know that's 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 something that I think could be like a main issue in 2022, like a big referendum on, you know, what people, you know, what voters think about these prolonged, ridiculous COVID measures that make absolutely no sense. Like that's, that's a huge one, I think in 2022. Yeah. You got to wear a mask to, you know, skydive by yourself, you know, yeah, 5,000 feet off the ground. Yeah. And, but yeah, and you brought it up. Uh, thanks for reminding me. Cause I haven't even covered this on the podcast at all because it's just wasn't even on my radar, but some the, maybe the biggest polling change in the last few weeks has come from the California recall election, where the RCP average uh, has voters choosing to remove Gavin Newsom by half a point. Obviously, that's within the margin of error. Anything can happen. I mean, nobody knows, man. Anything can happen. But I mean, I haven't covered this at all because I just thought there was no chance. I just figured it's just too red. California's too far gone. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I mean, it ain't over. This baby ain't over. And and. And Larry Elder uh, is blowing out the competition as the number one preference if the recall does go through. Obviously, that doesn't matter if they don't get over 50 percent voting to recall the governor. Um, but, dude, if Larry Elder's the, the governor of California next month, the libs are going to be uh, we have to put him on suicide watch or homicide watch, maybe probably more accurate. I mean, California. Yikes. I mean, I, the riots <laughs> will be uh, they'll look like the, the Black Lives Matter riots on, on steroids, I think. But. I mean, the fact that right now in 2021, Larry Elder, <laughs> Larry Elder has a legitimate shot of becoming the governor of California in a month. Yeah, I mean, like the, if it was a head to head election between Larry Elder and Gavin Newsom, then you'd have to think Newsom would probably win this. Of course. But the way that it works is very conducive to Larry Elder to Larry Elder. You have how the way it works is you go into to the polls and your ballot has two questions on it. Do you want. Gavin Newsom to be recalled, yes or no. And then you vote for one of those. And if you vote yes, there's then a list of candidates. And there's like a lot, of, there's like 30 some candidates. And it says, okay, now who do you want to replace him? So if the recall goes through, Gavin Newsom is no longer the governor. And then whoever has the most votes on the second ballot is the person who becomes governor of California. So because it works that way, it makes it very, you know, it's it, the, the electoral chances for a guy like Larry Elder are a lot easier. And you can tell he's the front runner too, because of the way that the media and <laughs> Newsom have been attacking him lately. They've yeah. been like, there was that headline in the LA Times that said, Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> and like, and like Gavin Newsom has been attacking him by name, which is like, is something he hasn't done for any of the other recall candidates. And like, you know, K file, the K file people over at CNN have been posting like all these things from his past to try and dig up dirt on him. And so you can tell that he has a shot at, becoming the governor by the because of the way the media has been just relentlessly attacking him lately oh yeah man when they start bringing the racism hard uh you know they're scared <laughs> the, the, yeah. the black the black face of white supremacy and it's funny too man like larry elder is funny because he's just such a nice guy <laughs> and he has nothing in his past that you can use against him he's just he has this you know he's pretty unimpeachable in terms of his character and his record yeah so it's like uh, they they have nothing. They have nothing on this guy. And it like and it's funny too because he's not like a, a bomb thrower at all. Like he's not like the traditional like right wing talk radio guy. Like he's just like a 
a nice guy, <laughs> you know, kill him with kindness kind of guy. So it's hilarious seeing him scramble and try to slander this guy. But, you know, it's funny, man. Like, I think the Democrats have to be feeling off guard because they could have just, like, tried to push Newsom to resign. And then, like, the lieutenant governor would have taken over and then they would have just automatically canceled the recall election. But they just thought they had it in the bag this whole time. And now they're like, oh, shoot, we actually have to campaign? <laughs> like, when's the last time? When's the last time a Democrat actually had to campaign statewide in California? It's like, do they remember how? You know, yeah, usually once you get past the primary, you're good. So it's like they, they're in a position they haven't been in in a long time. Yeah. And like the last time California had a Republican governor was Arnold Schwarzenegger, who got in there just on, exact, on, a, yeah. on a recall election, too. So, like, you know, you could tell that they're terrified and like they're spending like like he's going to end up spending like he's going to be closing in on 100 million dollars spent in this in this recall election. Really? Is, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, like it's it's up like they're going to end up spending like I think between like set like new the new like the 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 campaign like between like all of the groups who are involved in yeah you know opposing the recall it's going to be closing in there for sure like it's incredible dude that's crazy because this this campaign's only like two months long yeah you know what I mean like it basically just got started like it wasn't I mean it's not, it's not like a year long campaign for governor it's like, I can't believe they, they're burning through a hundred million like they're gonna burn they're gonna, like yeah and it's not just like Newsom's campaign I'm talking yeah. like all the other groups involved like they're burning money to try and keep Newsom in power man if Larry can pull this off my goodness put him on Mount Rushmore man I don't care and then uh in, yeah. in your 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 state your adoptive home state of Virginia um, the gubernatorial race is a lot closer than I thought. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, I just, I just checked before the podcast, uh, Real Clear Politics has him up by th- 4.3 points. Um, and I, I don't mean, I, I expected when I checked that, you know, I was expecting 12 points or, you know, 11 points, something like that. But I mean, that's a, I don't know, man, if, if the unfavorables for the Democratic Party uh, keep going in the direction they're going, I don't know, man. Republicans have a yeah. legitimate chance of taking <laughs> yeah. the governorship in California and Virginia this year. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, I mean, the Virginia GOP has always suffered from the fact that they run absolutely shit Terrible. candidates. Terrible like in, candidates. In tw- like in 2018, they ran Corey Stewart for the Senate. Terrible. Who was just awful, just an awful oh. candidate. But they found, but they, this year, and so this year, they picked a really, really good candidate in Glenn Youngkin, who's like just a very, like he's, he's, not like the chaotic Trump supporter like Corey Stewart was. He's like, he's a very like likable, relatable guy. You know, he's calm you know, guy. You know, he's like calm. Appeals like, to, yeah, yeah. Like and like Terry McAuliffe is kind of this like democratic flamethrower. Like, you know, he 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 kind of like is one of those people. Who, so they're very like diametric opposites. And like Virginia is a blue state because of the fact that so many people who work in D.C. live in Northern Virginia and move to more. And that's like. The reason that it's a blue state and like, but I think like a lot of the issues that have like, that are at the forefront of this campaign and that have like, that have attracted like significant backlash in Virginia, such as like school closures, critical race theory in schools, mask mandates, like all of that stuff are things that are going to be affecting, you know, the Virginia gubernatorial race. And so like, I think because of the candidate that, that Virginia picked, like, I think, yeah, Glenn Youngkin definitely has a real shot. I have a lot of friends who are working for his campaign, and they seem to agree with me. Yeah. I need to try to get him on the show, actually. Uh, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> but uh, I think—I definitely think Youngkin has a chance. And and, and obviously, Larry Elder has, has a legitimate shot in California. I still think—just just talking about California, I have to think the, the likeliest scenario is that Democrats are going to do Democratic stuff and just vote for the blue team 
forsaking their own interests like they usually do in California. That's what they're best at, unfortunately, California voters. But, uh, man, uh, Gavin Newsom, I mean, he's governed like a wannabe Joseph Stalin, right? He was caught, what, 75 million times defying his own commie COVID orders. I mean, he's just terrible. And he's just like, he's not a likable guy. He's weird. It's like this weird, woke, unimpressive dude. And it's like, this is your last shot, California. Like, this is like, for me to respect you as a state, like, this is it. Like, if this recall doesn't work, I mean, we got to kind of just give up on California. Just pack it in. It's over. It's a failed state. Like, the, like you can get off this bus that you're on right now, California, with Larry Elder. Like, but this is your last chance. Like, I'm going to stop paying attention to you. I'm going to stop listening to you, you crazy people out there. Like, this is... This is the last stop on the train, right? Like this is before the before it goes off a cliff. Like this is your last chance, you know. I'll kind of. Yeah. I think we got to throw in the towel on our California friends if this one doesn't work. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, the, what, what's interesting? So what's interesting is like, believe it or not, California is the state in America that has more registered Republican voters than any other state. And so I, I went. I actually went to California a couple months ago. I went to. I visited some friends who live in Newport Beach, and like. The Republican area, it's it's hilarious. Like the Republican areas like Orange County where I was and like I guess the others in Northern California, they have like local politicians who just don't enforce the ridiculous state laws in there. <laughs> like, they, like they just don't like they, they actually like take care of their homeless problem and they actually like treat, you know, their citizens. They don't like, you know, let they treat them with respect. They don't let them shoot up on the street, which was an actual policy in San Francisco of designated areas where people shoot drugs. <laughs> like those aren't things. And like, I think California, like obviously like the political leadership there is just like broken and, you know, LA County and like the Bay area is a total mess. But like the, the areas of California where like all of the Republican voters live, like it's kind of, it's kind of, they're like diametric opposites to like what you would think California would be. Yeah. I mean, Orange County is one of the reddest areas in the country and then some of the, yeah. the the outskirts of san diego same way and yeah obviously northern california too but you know yeah it's just bears and mountain lions and a few people up there yeah but yeah man i, I don't know a, a dude can dream you know i yeah. who know who knows if it'll work out but um it's he's got a real shot like it's he's got a legitimate thing. shot I, I i never thought we'd be saying that a couple months ago but i don't think larry elder thought uh, he'd be here. I mean, he said when he announced yeah, his campaign, he, he's like, "I'm running because somebody has to." <laughs> you know, that was yeah. I mean, like, all of the can- yeah, like all of the candidates before, like they didn't. There wasn't a strong like Caitlyn Jenner and like Kevin, oh. like Kevin Falconer and the other guy who have both run for governor before and lost. It's like need somebody new who isn't a, who isn't somebody who thinks they're a woman. And uh, I mean, obviously. Governors shouldn't be this powerful, but California governors have a ton of power. <laughs> yeah, the Democrats never thought um, that you know a Republican would be governor again, so they kept giving the governor more and more power. So like he does have, yeah. like he would have Larry Elder would have a lot of authority to unilaterally make yeah. the state better. You know what I mean? Like he could legitimately improve the lives of of tens of millions of people, like via executive order. So it's like yeah. man, he could actually I'm- do a lot of good. Yeah, and I'm just, like, thinking of, like, all the backlash that would come to him if he, like, gets into office and, like, you know, pisses off all the California teachers unions by, like, implementing <laughs> some school choice policies or, like, you know, getting backlash from, like, the wokes in, like, Berkeley and San Francisco if he does, if, you know, because he'll actually, like, support law enforcement and all of this other, all this other stuff. 
like the political battles in California with Larry Elder as governor would be like in, in, in very interesting. And the funniest thing about, especially even though those two policies that you just mentioned, it would be hilarious as well because he could appeal, like he 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 can appeal to black and Hispanic voters with those policies. You know, supporting law yeah. enforcement, school choice, like those are things that minorities don't necessarily disagree with. It would be a black governor and then the minority voters <laughs> against all the woke white idiots. You know what I mean? Like it would be just a fascinating, hilarious TV show to watch on cable news. Like that, I would I would have to actually tune in to like some local California news programs to watch the fight between the woke whites and then Larry Elder. Like it would be, it would be something to behold, but Greg, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Uh, where can everybody keep in touch? Um, yeah. So as I've always said, when I come on here, you, you should all subscribe to the daily caller and become a daily caller Patriot for nine ninety nine a month where you get all of our reporting along with all of our exclusive content that isn't available to normal people. And also it takes all the ads off of our website. Um, just go to dailycaller.com slash patriots to sign up. Everybody do it. Like, don't be, don't be a cheapskate. It's only 10 bucks. Come on. Absolutely. And, uh, Twitter, all the, all the, oh, good yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah. Follow the daily caller everywhere. And I'm Greg underscore price 11. Um, you know, daily call, like as I've, as I've said before, when you, when I plug my stuff on your show, having uh, news outlets that will actually challenge the party in power is something that you should support, especially in the current political climate that you find yourselves in, in the daily. I'm very proud. I'm very happy that I work for one such outlet, the daily caller that you should all support and read and get yeah. all of your news from. Yeah. And they, daily caller obviously has my endorsement as well. I mean, they're, they're doing some of the best journalism in the world uh, over there right now. Some of the only guys with uh you know, boots on the ground during a lot of these riots that we've seen over the last year. And and we uh, are and we're the ones who broke the Cuomo nursing home scandal, too. That's right. That's, a year and a half ago. <laughs> a year yep, and long a half time. ago. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Le- legitimately, Andrew Cuomo would still be the governor of New York without uh, the Daily Caller. So everybody check them out. Everybody follow Greg. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Um.